Welcome to the markets. Along with Max Armstrong, I'm Orion Samuelson. Dateline, Chicago, Friday, May 31st. The end of the week and the end of the month, and what a tumultuous day it was to end the trading month, not only on Wall Street, but also in the agricultural commodities as well. And before we go into the story, let's take a look at some of the numbers that are interesting. First of all, the Dow closed down 353 points today at 24,816. The S&P 500 closed down 36 points at 2752. And the NASDAQ closed down 150. 14 points at 74.52. And the S&P 500 closed below the 200-day moving average for the first time since March 8th. For the week, the Dow fell 3%, the S&P 500 down 2 and 2 thirds percent, and the NASDAQ down 2 and a half percent. The Dow and the S&P 500 posted their biggest weekly percentage declines of 2019. And the Dow falls for the sixth straight week. That's the longest weekly losing streak for the Dow in eight years. The NASDAQ and the S&P 500 both fell for four straight weeks. And for the month, the Dow down six and two-thirds points. The S&P 500 dropped six and a half points. The NASDAQ declined nearly eight points. And the S&P 500 posted the biggest May decline since 2010. And those are some of the numbers that we're looking at following a tumultuous day of trade on Wall Street. Down basically because President Trump surprised the markets with a threat of tariffs on Mexico. And that fueled fears that a trade war on multiple fronts could lead to a recession. The story is Washington will impose a 5% tariff from June 10th, which would rise steadily to 25% until illegal immigration across the southern border was stopped. Mexican President Lopez Obrador responded by urging his U.S. counterpart to back down. But it is applying a trade tariff to a national security issue, and according to one analyst, that is different. That is the issue, and now what country is not vulnerable to tariffs or what political, diplomatic, or national security issue won't now include the threat of tariffs to resolve? Investors have grown more worried about the deteriorating trade talks between the U.S. and China and have sought safety in government bonds, Technology and energy stocks have been among the hardest-hit sectors since May 3rd when the president ramped up tariff threats with China. Of the 11 major S&P sectors today, only defensive plays, utilities, and real estate were on the plus side, while eight were showing drops of more than 1%. 
U.S. car makers and manufacturers were also pulled lower. General Motors down four and the quarter percent. Ford Motor down two and the quarter percent. And adding to the downbeat mood, Beijing warned today that it would unveil an unprecedented hit list of unreliable foreign firms as a slate of retaliatory tariffs on imported U.S. goods was set to kick in at midnight. Oh, what a day on Wall Street. And uh, as we look ahead, oh, one more uh, closing price today. Oil down over 3% today and posted its biggest monthly drop in six months. Brent crude futures fell $2.38. Uh, that's 3.6% to settle at $64.49 a barrel. U.S. crude futures fell $3.09 a barrel, and uh, they uh, ended at 53.50, a uh, 5.5% loss for the day. So as we look ahead to next week, what else can happen that will catch traders and investors by surprise? Well, on the economic schedule for the week, the Labor Department on Friday expected to report a decline of 83,000 in non-farm payrolls in May, and that would be down from 263,000 in April. The unemployment rate, which fell to 3.6% in April, likely to remain the same for May. On Tuesday of next week, the Labor Department likely to show the factory orders contracted 1% in April compared to a surge of 1.9% in the month before. The ADP National Employment Report likely to show private payrolls went down 90,000 to a seasonally adjusted 185,000 in May. And then, of course, we get initial jobless claims expected to be 215,000 for the week ended June 1st as compared to the previous week. I won't even go into the details of the schedule of our Fed presidents. They'll be busy next week. A lot of speaking engagements at some important economic meetings and conferences around the world, and uh, it'll involve presentations by Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell, who will speak before the Fed Listens Conference on Monetary Policy Strategies, Tools, and Communication Practices. And then, as I said, uh, the rest of the governors of the Federal Reserve on the speaking circuit next week. So uh, let's take a look at some of the uh, activities on Capitol Hill Senate Banking Committee will hold a hearing on the renomination of Michelle Bowman to a full term on the Federal Reserve Board of Governors. And then some of the earnings reports. GameStop Corporation expected to report a decline in first quarter revenue as the world's largest video game retailer struggles with slowing sales of video games and consoles at its stores. 
Vegan burger maker Beyond Meat reports its first quarter results for the first time as a public company on Thursday. After having made its market debut earlier in May, demand for plant-based proteins has been rising as more consumers adapt to a vegan diet and as restaurants add burgers and tacos with vegan imitation meat, and I emphasize it is imitation meat, and they add it to their menus. Another food company, Campbell Soup Company, expected to report a sharp decline in its first quarter profit, hurt by higher input costs related to raw materials as well as freight. The Pepperidge Farm owner, trying to turn around its legacy soup business, and it's a challenge. Folgers coffee maker J.M. Smucker Company is expected to post an increase in fourth quarter sales on Thursday, helped by higher demand, not for its coffee, but for its pet foods, such as Meow Mix and Milk Bone. American Eagle Outfitters expected to post an increase in its first quarter same-store sales as demand for its airy line of lingerie continues to grow. And Home Robots, cashierless retail stores, and Space, the final frontier. Jeff Bezos, other tech industry executives and researchers will discuss their efforts to make the stuff of science fiction a reality. In Amazon.com's first ever conference on Wednesday dedicated to artificial intelligence and the future, dubbed Mars, he's likely to speak at the event on Thursday. Walmart will hold its annual shareholders meeting on Wednesday. Vermont Senator, presidential candidate Bernie Sanders scheduled to attend to advocate workers' rights. A separate event for associates and shareholders is also scheduled on Friday. Oh, and one more. Apple will hold its annual software developer conference in San Jose on Monday, with the company expected to unveil updates to its operating systems for iPhones, Macs, and iPads. The company expected to show off tools that will make it easier to port apps from iPhones to Mac laptops and could also unveil a new Mac Pro desktop for pro users, such as movie editors. According to press and analyst reports, Apple also scheduled to unveil subtle changes to its Messages app that make it look and feel less like a default text messaging app and more like rivals such as Facebook Messenger and WhatsApp. So, is that enough to keep you busy next week watching markets and getting government reports and, again, getting some earnings reports. Uh, I'm sure after this week it may be a little quieter than we've seen so far. What about the agricultural community? Well, we have with us back this week Dr. Michael Cordonier, soybeansandcorn.com who has some interesting things to say about the rain impact on yields and plantings in this country. And he'll also take a look at activity in South America 
because he gets to Brazil quite often. So he'll be coming up, sitting down with Max Armstrong in the studio when we continue on the markets. Your best defense against breast cancer is a mammogram. I'm Dr. Sandy Goldberg, a breast cancer survivor and founder of a Silver Lining Foundation. And early detection saved my life. Are you uninsured? Are you underinsured? Are you a survivor and need follow-up testing? Feel like you have nowhere to turn? Times are tough, but getting a mammogram shouldn't be. Call us at 312-345-1322. A Silver Lining Foundation is here to help. Dr. Mike Cordonier, the Soybean and Corn Advisor, joining us this weekend. Looking at a lot of wet fields still and forecast for more? Well, unfortunately, Max, that's the forecast. And, of course, we got the record amount of rainfall all across the Corn Belt. And this year, it's really interesting. It goes from Nebraska to Ohio. So it's not just one location. It hits Iowa, Illinois, Nebraska, lots of big production states, and as you saw in the last crop progress report, we're record slow planting, and it's going to be that way. And I'm afraid there's going to be a lot of corn that's not going to be planted, taken for insurance. And then we got a lot of replant as well. And, of course, you get a yield drag, all the stuff planting so late. Minnesota, South Dakota, they're very wet, too, in, in many of those counties. Actually, South Dakota is one of the worst. Ironically, one of the best now is North Dakota. Uh, they've been kind of dry way up there, so... Uh, they're okay on their wheat and kind of okay on corn and soybeans, but South Dakota, man, they're really, really wet, especially down in the southeast corner. People want to compare it to 1993. People are talking about that, uh, the very wet year that we had, but that geography was much more limited, wasn't it, 26 oh, years ago? Yeah, it was mostly west of the Mississippi. Uh, I remember Iowa back then. It was like you could go water skiing on some of the fields. Uh, this year is much more widespread, and I think it's uh, much more important, quite frankly. How far behind of the corn planting we are is the striking thing. As you look at the calendar, that, that jumped out at us. And, and I'm gathering very little has been planted this week in many areas. What do you think the weekly crop bulletin on Monday will show in terms of corn planting progress? Well, we had 58% last Monday. If we get 10 to 12%, I'd be surprised. So we might get up to 70 uh, next Monday, and that's already in June. So we're going to have 30% of the corn planted in June. So even with a good summer, there's going to be a yield drag. June 10 is a date that a number of growers are talking about, is uh, when they would probably stop planting corn. Yeah, well, the insurance date is already passed for North Dakota, South Dakota, Kansas, Nebraska. And then uh, on Friday, it will be for Iowa and Minnesota, and then later on in June a little bit for Illinois, Indiana, and Ohio. Uh, thankfully, the prices are going up. So that might uh, influence some guys to plant a little bit later than what they would have had the prices not moved. The history shows, though, the yield goes down the later you plant the corn crop. Uh, absolutely. Uh, Illinois, if you plant on June 1st, more or less, you get about a 12% yield drag. So, and a lot of this stuff's not going to get planted on June 1st. It's going to be planted later than that. One other thing that comes to mind is what happens with inputs and the, the, the firepower that we might have in a corn crop with a regular planting season with nutrients, well-placed. You don't get that, do you, with a, a late planting? No, and in fact, uh, we're losing a lot of the nitrogen by leaching. So that's you know, out of the picture, at least some of it. And then also, the corn plants are slow to develop. They're slow emerging. It's been cold. So you just have less uptake and, and everything for the nutrients. 
And the longest day of the year is June 21st. You want your corn plant as big as possible with the maximum amount of sunlight. And there's going to be a lot of corn that's going to be very small on June 21st. So the factory, so to speak, uh, won't be big enough to take advantage of all the photosynthetic activity. They prevent plant acreage. A lot of folks are toying in their mind about how much of the intended acreage this year could wind up in that category for the corn crop. What are you thinking? Well, I think we're going to have a record amount of prevent plant. How much remains to be seen? I think a minimum, maybe 6 million acres combined, maximum, maybe 10 million. Uh, nobody knows. And they say, at least uh, before this recent price rise, that you're better off taking prevent plant. So a lot of guys have to make a very tough decision, uh, have to do it on individual farm, individual field-by-field field basis, but I think there's going to be a record amount of prevent plants. Now, we won't get a new acreage number from the USDA, an actual acreage number, till the end of June. Is that correct? Correct. We get the June planted number at the end of June. That's a survey done the first two weeks of June. Now, the first prevent plant number comes out, I think it's August 15th. So we'll still be guessing at the end of June what the acreage is going to be. And it keeps the market very nervous as far as the acreage. And the, the harvested percent... Normally, 91.7% of the corn is harvested for grain. Now, most of that goes to silage, of course. But this year, we're not going to hit that number. It might be 90%, maybe 88% being harvested because there's going to be a lot of corn that's going to be lost. It's ponding. It's saturated. Uh, I won't be able to get back out there to replant. So you combine lower acreage, uh, more abandonment, and lower yields, and we're going to maybe have a dynamic corn market. How much lower do you think that June acreage number will be than the intentions number USDA posted earlier this year? The intention was 92, like 92 and a half million. It can't be any more than 88 million. My guess is it'll be closer to 85 million. Uh, some people in the market think 83 million. So the guesses are all over the place. But I think we can say for certain that it's going to be way lower than what the March intention was. Now, the idea is that some of this acreage would have gone to corn is going to be shifted over into soybeans. To what degree do you think that'll happen? I think there'll be some switch over to soybeans, absolutely. Some maybe of the soybeans also may not get planted. We're taking for a prevent plant, of course, as right. well. So it's really uncertain for soybeans as well. It was $84 million, I think, in the intentions for soybeans, maybe mid-80s uh, for soybean numbers. It's just all up in the air. It's going to be striking driving down the road this summer, isn't it, Mike, to see how much land is sitting out there idle, maybe into a cover crop, but not producing corn or soybeans. I've heard from some people say this is the first time ever doing 100% prevent plant on corn. Uh, up in Minnesota, uh, just recently got a couple more inches of rain. The fields are all flooded. The prevent plant, they'd already passed. And it says, why plant it late? When I can, if I didn't put on my fertilizer, and if you can give back your seed corn... It's like a no-brainer. Do prevent plant. Now, if you put on your fertilizer, that's a tougher decision, uh, especially with the prices going up a little bit now. But some guys have already made the decision to take prevent plant. So USDA has been assuming a corn yield number of what, 176? 176.4. I'm using right now 167 with a lower bias and a much lower bias, depending how late the corn gets planted. Potentially significantly lower corn yield, you're saying, than 167. Oh, yes. Depends on the next couple of weeks, when you get it planted and that sort of thing. I think it's a real dynamic situation, Max. What are you estimating on total corn crop size at this moment? Is it too early to do that? It's too early. 
Um, I did a back of the envelope. Doesn't keep USDA from doing it. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 you know, I quarrel a little bit with them, even assuming numbers in May, which they, you know, if you look at how far off they've been over the years, <laughs> the trend know, line yield. You know, Max, that's a good point. In August of this year, they are not going to give us a survey for the production out there in the field. They're not going to do a field survey for the August report. It's going to be based on models and trends and all that sort of stuff. So in a year like this, when everything is uncertain with the acreage and the yields, it's going to make it even worse not having a USDA number until the, the crop report in September. So the market is going to be all over the place. What's behind that? And they say, well, especially for corn and for soybeans, for both crops, it's very early to say what happens. You know, and that survey is done the last week of July and the first week of August. And obviously the weather changes after that, the numbers change, but I certainly would like to see a, a baseline number, but we're not going to get it this year. Well, it is an interesting situation to watch by all means, and uh, it looks like we can have a corn crop significantly lower than anybody ever imagined. Well, right now I'm calculating about a 13.5 billion crop, uh, but that's given what I think is too optimistic for acreage, too optimistic for harvested area, and too optimistic for yield. So a worst-case scenario, well, we could be down, you know, 12.5 billion bushels. Who knows? It's a wild guess right now. Changes the whole dynamic of the situation for the corn market, doesn't it? Now, before we get away from it, though, let us not forget their huge production in South America. Big corn crop, right, this year? Oh, yes, absolutely. Uh, they increased their corn production 27% in South America this year about 32 million tons more of corn this year than last year. And in fact, in Brazil right now, they're starting to harvest the Safadinha corn crop. It's going to be a record. Uh, I got Brazil corn production at 98 million tons. That's already a record. Could hit 100 million, uh, depending how good the yields are. The farmers are very optimistic. Uh, they're like 1 to 2 or 3% harvested. So it could be a very big corn crop in Brazil, and there's already been a big crop in Argentina. Yields coming out of Argentina are unbelievable, 230, 240 bushels in the best areas. So, yes, South America is going to have a very big crop. And guess what? If we have a really short crop here, prices go up. What they are going to do in South America? Plant more corn in just a few months from now. And, of course, they've benefited mightily from the trade war. Oh, yes. Uh, China, you know, bought some soybeans from the United States. Uh, but I just saw recently they're not going to buy any more for the time being. Uh, they're shipping beans out of Brazil as fast as they can. At the port of Paranaguá, the second largest port in Brazil, they just loaded this week the largest vessel ever to dock, 90,000 tons. Now, it's soybean meal going to Holland. But all the ports in Brazil are increasing their capacity this port of Paranaguá put in new shiploaders. They dredged the docks. They're building new docks in anticipation of more exports. They did have a strike this week. I saw in Argentina where the, uh, the shipping was delayed during some kind of a walkout. They have those about every other week, don't they? I got caught in a protest, a strike down there many years ago in the streets. It's a little bit unnerving. They fire off the cannons. They're yelling, beating drums. But those are very common, aren't they? Oh, it's an annual event in Argentina. <laughs> uh, inflation is raging in Argentina. Uh, the economy is very weak. Uh, wages can't keep up with inflation. And they have a presidential election coming in October. And the President Macri, who was supported by the farmers when he got elected uh, three and a half years ago, he now has some trouble. The economy is uh, not very good in Argentina. 
So he's not so supported by their farmers now? Well, some, it, some are wondering if that's going to happen in the United States. They keep pondering that. Could it happen in the U.S.? Well, if it's mockery versus the old president, uh, Christina uh, Kirshner, uh, the farmers hate Kirshner. So they would still vote for mockery by biting their tongue. Uh, but we'll see. Maybe another parallel there. Thank you, sir. We appreciate you being in to join us. Always my pleasure. Dr. Mike Cotadier, Soybean and Corn Advisor, soybeansandcorn.com. Your best defense against breast cancer is a mammogram. I'm Dr. Sandy Goldberg, a breast cancer survivor and founder of a Silver Lining Foundation. And early detection saved my life. Are you uninsured? Are you underinsured? Are you a survivor and need follow-up testing? Feel like you have nowhere to turn? Times are tough, but getting a mammogram shouldn't be. Call us at 312-345-1322. A Silver Lining Foundation is here to help. It's been interesting to watch reaction to President Trump's trade move today by companies and by agricultural groups. 150 U.S. business and farm groups have been warning that tariffs on Mexico will raise costs and create uncertainty. And in agriculture, National Corn Growers Association, National Pork Producers, and several state farm bureaus all taking exception to the move by President Trump on Mexico. National Pork Producers, as a matter of fact, said his plan to impose 5% tariffs on all Mexican imports as of June 10th will uh, hurt the pork producer. And we appeal to President Trump to reconsider plans to open a new trade dispute with Mexico. That's just a sampling of the press releases that came out from various groups and agricultural groups opposed to the situation. Uh, We spend time in Arizona where we see the difficulty on the border, and it is a concern and a major difficulty for the communities along the border of Mexico and the United States to handle the busloads of illegal immigrants that want to come in and uh, become, well, not necessarily become citizens, but live and work in the United States. And some of the towns along the border have been uh, declaring states of emergency emergency because of that. But um, again, Congress isn't doing anything. They are not working on immigration legislation. They are not working on trade agreements. And we need Congress to get to work doing legislative activities and we're still waiting. Meanwhile, Mexico and Canada said today they would proceed with plans to ratify the new North American trade agreement, despite the new threat from President Trump. And uh, Trump made his threat the same day that Vice President Mike Pence was in Ottawa, said he was pushing to get the U.S. Congress to ratify the deal this summer after both Canada and Mexico moved to start the approval process for what I call NAFTA II, the new North American Free Trade Agreement. And uh, we have had it approved in this country, but not by the Congress last year. So uh, we've got to get that done. And in Canada, 
Time is of the essence because they take their summer parliamentary vacation uh, starting in June and continuing into November. And of course, we're now only two months away from the August recess here in the United States. So we have a lot of work to do, and Congress better get to work doing it so that we can get some concrete plans on where we're going with immigration, where we're going with trade agreements. That's my challenge to Congress. Then uh, taking a look at where we ended market-wise today, it was a pretty good trading week uh, uh, at the beginning. Then it began to slide away after the uh, uh, Trump threat today on tariffs. But as we take a look at uh, the market closes today at the Chicago Board of Trade, we saw nothing but a red screen on my computer screen. And uh, the July wheat contract down nine and three quarter cents, July corn down nine cents, and the July soybean contract ended down in ten and a half cents. Livestock futures also moving lower today. And uh, look at those uh, closing prices at the Chicago Mercantile Exchange. Pretty much a red screen there, too, with the July lean hog contract down $2.17 a hundredweight. The August live cattle contract down $1.82 per hundredweight. And the August feeder cattle contract ended today down the $4.52 a hundredweight price. So that's where we ended market-wise. Where do we go next week with trade? We'll just have to wait and see. As always, Max Armstrong and I enjoy your joining us here every week for our look at the market activity in agriculture and Wall Street. Here on the markets.